This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Inside Communications on Bartholomew Town is presented by Half Street Group, who bring a new generation's perspective to leadership communications, strategic public relations, and digital marketing. Half Street helps organizations and leaders take control of their own stories and manage their reputations. They get results for their clients by focusing on audience, message, and culture, and by leveraging their decade-long relationship with media and opinion leaders in the Ocean State and throughout New England. Join me and Half Street Group founder and president Mike Rea right now for a conversation about news of the day, the hottest media analysis, and a look behind the scenes at how impactful leaders drive conversations. Learn more at halfstreetgroup.com. Every month we go inside communications with the one and only Mike Rea of the Half Street Group. Mike, what a month to uh, converse on issues of communications. There's certainly a lot floating out there on a statewide basis right now that are driving opinion and news conversation over the last couple of weeks, only ramping up in the last few days. And I guess the place to start is none other than the latest tourism campaign that Commerce Rhode Island rolled out. Rhode Island, all that. Your thoughts? It's, it's funny. So I am. I'm an elder millennial. So I kind of immediately, and I know Dan McGowan put this in his his column. I immediately thought of Snick and Keenan Thompson um, yeah. when I heard it. Like, look, I. So here's here's the thing that I would say on any kind of state tourism campaign. We're not the audience. This is something that we should really be thinking about. Is it going to get someone from Maryland? Is it going to get someone from New York to want to come to Rhode Island? Um, and I, I think we often get ourselves caught up in this bubble, but in, in this um, bubble of I don't like it, or or you didn't ask me about it. Um, and we saw that like really crystal clearly with cooler and warmer all, all those years ago. Um, which you say what you will or what you won't will about that campaign, we got a little bit too focused on our own navel gazing here in Rhode Island about it. Now, what I will say about the, the this campaign, I'm not a I don't our firm does strategic communications, executive PR, reputation management. There are a lot of people who are a lot smarter than I am about creative. Uh, advertising and and things to go in there. And I think one of the smartest takes on that in this market's former colleague of mine, Alec Beckett from Nail, um, who was one of the creative guys behind the um, the last campaign that Rhode Island did, which was the, the fun size campaign. Um, and I think he's got a really good take on this. And, and, and I'm going to read from his LinkedIn, if, you, if you'll indulge me for a minute. Please. He put something up yesterday. Um, Alec wrote, The new tourism campaign from Rhode Island is not bad, but make no mistake, it's definitely not good. In fact, it's something worse than bad. It's generic. There's a lot of bland generic work out there. So why am I picking on this particular campaign? Because I'm paying for it. Rhode Island taxpayers are footing the bill for the very worthy effort to attract more tourists to our beautiful state. So I really want it to work. And he goes on and he talks about the, the, the fact that a lot of this stuff you see in any given campaign, you see food, you see beaches, you see breweries and, and all these other things. There needs to be a sense of space in, in a sense of that something is unique. Um, and who knows, like, will this work? I hope it does. Like, I, I, I think that it's really well produced. I, I, do agree with Alec that there are components of it that are generic. I think that there's ways to be able to improve upon that as they come out with other renditions and they're able to show more of that sense of space. Um, but I also think that 
we as Rhode Islanders need to just stop navel gazing and, and stop thinking that this is about us and realize that the audience for this doesn't live here. We already know that we've got the best beaches in America. We already know that we've got the best restaurants here. We need to make sure that people outside of 401 and people whose worldview extends beyond the target in Seekonk understand that this is a great place to come as well. Well said, and I completely agree. And that's a take that hasn't been emphasized enough, in in fact, at all, really, is that remember the target audience here. And it is well produced. There's no argument there. It's definitely high quality video. It's a well thought out operation um, in, in terms of just the rollout. Say what you will about the message, but you're right. If you're randomly in Illinois and you catch this on a YouTube ad, it probably sparks a little bit of curiosity, if nothing else. And that's the goal. Right, right. And it's like, and I think where the challenge becomes is can they do in other renditions of it the opportunity to be able to make sure it's uniquely to Rhode Island and not just another East Coast uh, space? Now, I will say, I don't hate the all that. I think that it's got a lot of flexibility to it. I think it can be used in a couple of things. I, I think it certainly does. And I, I heard the CMO on PRO yesterday um, talking a little bit about this. It, you, you look at the Super Bowl halftime show, you look at you know, where advertising is right now, they're targeting our age bracket. They're targeting older millennials, younger Gen X, because that's where the disposable income is. That's where the, the, where the trends are being set. Um, and that's a phrase or, and, and that's a, a, um, a, a, a turn of phrase that we're all, that's part of our vernacular. Now, like, now it's going to be funny in 20 years when our kids are in the position that we're in and the tourism campaign is going to be that strip or whatever it is that my daughter says on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. We'll see if it holds up like Discover Rhode Island. Um, another major issue, obviously, I mean, goes without saying is the Washington Bridge. And there's so much to this. We've been covering it extensively here on the podcast, obviously on PRO. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, this is a major conversation. And unfortunately, um, a lot of the conversation isn't even about the bridge itself or the specific inconveniences or the small business impact that it's causing, the closure of the westbound lane. It's actually around the rollout and what seems to be an ever-growing distrust with aspects of the administration and the DOT itself. There are definitely uh, other reporters, I'm among the reporters who have been receiving leaked documents for several months now. And it's been pretty clear that we're heading towards either a complete demolition and rebuild or significant rebuild. The whole, it's going to be three months and we'll be back on the road idea was pretty much made clear to be nonsense in December. Um, how that was reported out was very difficult to do because you're not necessarily getting any level of confirmation. Your take on the rollout, the level of communications from that standpoint about the Washington Bridge so far, but more than anything, what do they have to do to sell yeah. this to the people that they've got it dialed in? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get into a place of relitigating or 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 you know, questioning the approaches in, in, that have been taken in the past. I, I think there's certainly a lot of conversation to be had about um, what could have been done better, what uh, what worked, what didn't, um, and and there's like, no shortage of reporting on that. And I, I think folks in in your orbit have done a really good job and did a really good job early on of being able to articulate some of that. And people like Mike Stanton had like really good insight to be able to provide around um, best practices in in the way to engage media and engage the public around some of it. Um, but say like. One thing first is, and, and um, I'll borrow this kind of observation from Ted Nisi, when any subject or any topic in government jumps from the Ian Donis columns 
the podcasts, public's radio news updates to pop culture, you realize that you've hit a zeitgeist and you need to start thinking about the way that you are engaging broader swaths of the public. Um, and that's happened here, whether it's the, um, the, the, the Ian, whatever his name is, um, that is doing his, his Instagram uh, and, and TikTok memes, whether it's the fact that you're hearing the, the, the Swansea car dealership ads mentioning the bridge in them. This is something that, whether it's my, my seven-year-old asking, do I have to go over the bridge anytime we get in the car? Um, you, you've hit a place where this is now a, a, a coffee uh, shop and, and water cooler conversation. I, I, two weeks ago, I was at Newport Creamery in Barrington, um, and there were a handful of, uh, of older guys there, um, a little bit older than my father, um, wearing veterans and union hats, um, thick, thick, thick Rhode Island accents. And the entire time they were talking about the bridge. Um, and these are guys who probably don't go over the bridge all that often. Um, so it's, it's hit that zeitgeist. What I think the state has the opportunity to do going forward as we get closer to having some kind of clear-cut finality of what's actually going to happen. I think there's still a lot of questions of when did people know, what did they know, All of, and, and there's plenty of different oversight that's going to figure any of that out. But the opportunity they have before them is there is going to be very, very clear interest from people all across the state and not just people on the East Bay or, or the East side of Providence. And this is a, 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 there are traffic backups on this going into Cranston. It's something people are planning routes around, around everything. There's a really great opportunity for DOT, for the administration to make real empathetic personal connections with the people who are impacted by this um, and be outwardly transparent be very, very crystal clear of what they know and what they don't know. Um, and I think it's important to be able to communicate that there are components of it that you don't know. And, and that, that's, that sometimes I don't know is a, a, is a complete enough response in this kind of, of communication mitigation. Um, what I would recommend if, if, if I were you know, in, the, in, in the state house or if I were advising a, anyone who were kind of leading some of the effort is once you have a, a, an understanding of what's happening with that bridge, is it a teardown? Is it a, a, a rebuild? Go start to spend time in the communities that are most impacted by it. Um, go and, and do open office hours in, um, in in East Providence. Go and meet with and, and, and hold uh, town hall updates at each of the different town council um, that meetings. Um, go show up at Barrington and Warren Little League and kind of allow people the opportunity to express some of their frustration, but also be able to kind of show that you get it and, and you understand. Um, and, and, and to the folks that are in there's credit, I, I think that there has been a tonal shift in recent weeks and there has been kind of a, a clearer recognition that this is more than just a little bit of traffic um, and that there is um, opportunity. And, and, and I do, I, th I think that sincerely there is opportunity in, in every crisis, there's opportunity in every kind of moment like this to be able to make authentic human connection. Um, and, and I hope that there is that, that, that folks take that opportunity seriously. Well said. I completely agree with that. And what's going to be interesting is this is going to turn into more than just a Rhode Island and Southern New England conversation once we get to summer and you start seeing the Cape Cod tourism aspect come into play. 
And I'm already getting questions from friends who are reporters in New York about, hey, what's going on with this? You know, what's the next what's the next thing with this that we should be aware of? Because once it becomes a super regional story, now it's again, it's a different level of conversation. And before it gets to that point where it is super regional and it's Cape Cod and it's New York and it's perhaps national, depending on how the the oversight goes. I completely agree. The administration needs to be out in front and be on the side of the people, if nothing else, to position themselves as, hey, we're over here and something happened over there that we're concerned about and it affects us. And we're going to get to the bottom of what they did, even though that may not necessarily be entirely genuine. It's an important perspective. Um, I want to get into kind of the, the thick of this conversation here. It's so interesting. I heard a really interesting podcast last night where the discussion was on the not so much narrow casting, which has been growing since really the emergence of Fox News in the early 2000s and people getting their media diet satisfaction from things that check off their own boxes. But now we're in a place where things can become huge. Something can be on the Joe Rogan podcast, 25 million people will hear it, and yet tens of millions of other people have no idea what that thing is. You're seeing micro celebrities, you're seeing micro trends, and with that comes different kinds of audiences that are unique to those trends, and other than what, Taylor Swift and the NFL, there's hardly anything that is ubiquitous anymore. And I'd even say that Taylor Swift made the NFL ubiquitous this year. That's a great point. It definitely put it into a different conversation, and and yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, right. God knows my my daughter had no interest in the Super Bowl until the Chiefs made it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Really interesting. We're in a moment where targeting different kinds of audiences, trendsetters, decision makers, general audiences, is fundamental to communications. How do people who have a message to deliver tactically reach? those different kinds of audiences? I love this topic. So I think that you hit it on the head in, in kind of breaking up that there's kind of three core kinds of audiences when you're rolling out a, a brand, when you're rolling out a campaign, when you're trying to influence public opinion. Um, and you hit them in all different ways. Like if, if you're going to take an earned media approach, you need to make sure that you've got a message that's able to resonate with broader audiences, and that's going to be decipherable by kind of the, the largest group of, of individuals that you'd be reaching out to. And that's great. You need to be able to do that. But oftentimes, you have to lose something in there. You're not able to offer as much targeted or specific expertise in that because you're going to turn off a large part, portion of that audience. Um, I think of these things when, when we're working with clients of um, you have earned media, owned media, paid media, and thought leadership. And thought leadership can kind of fit a little bit of all of those different components. Um, and then you've also got, in terms of your audiences, you've got trendsetters who are kind of those individuals or those organizations that are shaping a bit of the narrative. Um, I mean, if you want to think about it kind of through the lens of like passion or something else, it's like, these are the, like, it's why I, I read this thing earlier this week when um, they, when, when Tina Fey was producing the original Mean Girls, they outfitted um, the plastics, the, 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 um, the, the, the cool kids in the school 
by looking at the trends of what high school aged and, and uh, 20 year olds were wearing in Europe because they knew they were filming a year to a year and a half before the film would, would premiere. And they wanted to make sure that the, that the clothes that they were wearing, the, the and things looked as though they were in that moment of culture. Um, so when you're thinking about your message, you want to be thinking about who are those people that are going to help shape that conversation. So if you're thinking about public policy, for example, and, and I think a lot of the work that we do, and I think a lot of your audience kind of falls into that kind of public affairs world. The trendsetters, those are the folks where you're trying, where they're setting the conversation of policy before it becomes, up, before it comes up for a legislative hearing, or before it comes to an editorial board meeting at the the, the Cranston Herald. Um, and with those folks, you're looking for what's happening elsewhere. What are the best practices? What are the the um, things that have worked in other states? Or what are the things that have been experimental where there have been pilots that have done? So on the housing front, everyone that I talk to in housing right now, they're looking at Minneapolis and, and what's going on in the Twin Cities and the kind of innovative policies that they're putting forward. And, and they're setting the trend amongst this conversation of, of the, the, the key influencers in that. The next phase of that is going to be taking those proof of concepts and taking that argument and getting that message in front of decision makers. Um, there's a couple of different ways that you do that. You could, and, and, and this is something that I think a lot of the, the, the housing work that we do is you, we're literally putting materials together and we're sending it along to key legislators or key staff about that and saying, we should try something like this in Rhode Island. Um, more appropriate to that is we're pushing and we will be pushing, or, or we've done this in, in, in the past with other clients, where you push a, a strong outside game and you broaden the conversation about that specific topic and force decision makers to realize that this is something that their audience cares about. This is something that their constituents care about. Um, and these type of things hold true, whether it's kind of behavior change communication like we do, or kind of corporate um, style um, consumer marketing PR when a company like Hasbro or CBS is rolling out a new product. They're going to be focused on who are the decision makers, who's buying the, who at Target is buying the, the, the Monopoly games to put on the store shelves. How are you marketing your material directly to them? And then how are you advertising it to broad audiences before Christmas time so that enough people buy any of that? And how are you getting to kind of the 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 movers and the shakers and the influencers to make sure that those broad audiences are not just seeing things on the commercial breaks of the NFL game that they're watching, but that they're seeing it on the TikTok channels and and and, and the other things. So it's a really, really interesting moment in time in that, in the way that you described it, but all of these things only come together if you're thinking about your content through the lens of earned media, owned media, paid media, and thought leadership. Brands and organizations and leaders need to take control over that because we can't rely solely on getting something placed on, in, uh, use this market as an example. The days of being able to place something on the front page of the Providence Journal and being able to control the rest of the news cycle for two days are long gone. Um, and and 
there, there, in some ways, that's a really bad thing. It, it goes to show that the that the underinvestment that some of these national trust funds have made in in the journal have diminished the, that kind of influence of that. But at the other time, it also democratizes the opportunity to be able to get some of this stuff out there um, with good content and and with the with, with compelling arguments. Um, and that's something that we really enjoy working with clients on, of, of helping them understand where they can fit into the conversation and how they can drive it on their own using owned media, using thought leadership, doing kind of direct targeted um, placements to community newspapers, to podcasts, to forums, um, to even some things as simple as getting newsletters into school folders to be able to send stuff home with kids. Um, so it's, it, it, it's, it's a moment in time where content matters. Um, and it's a moment in time where paying attention to what each of those different audiences role in the decision-making process is. Incisive and insightful right there from Mike Rea. And if you want that kind of insight for your own brand, for your own business messaging of any kind, public policy rollouts, halfstreetgroup.com. And you can click right there on the Half Street story to learn all about the journey here. It starts out, that bio, by the way, starts out with a baseball reference, and that is uh, two thumbs up from from this department over here. So, uh, Mike, always a great pleasure, and look forward to doing it next month. Sounds good, Bill. Thanks so much. Can't wait.